0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg shoots This is episode 17 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft, set to begin April 29th, pre-draft process, in full swing, Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama, the entire draft community converging they're in Mobile, Jim Nagy and company doing a tremendous job with the Reese's Senior Bowl. If you don't follow Jim Nagy on Twitter, what's wrong with you? You should be following him because he does a tremendous job, not just during Senior Bowl week, but the entire year, taking a look at guys from West Coast to East Coast, not just the Power Five guys, not just the, the uh, group of five guys, FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three. If you're good enough, Jim Nagy's going to find you and bring you to Mobile. And so we're actually going to talk about the Senior Bowl next podcast. Why? Well, it's episode 17. Let's get weird. And you're wondering, well, what exactly does that mean? Allow me to explain. So last podcast, episode 16, we took a look at the offensive side of the football, and we wanted to see if we could gauge and kind of guess the number of prospects that will come off the board by position in the 2021 draft. And then we decided to take it a step further and really try to determine you know, which players will come off the board in which round. Now that in and of itself doesn't sound crazy. You know, a lot of uh, draft experts, you know, not only the, the draft Twitter community, but uh, really social media and beyond taking a look at the draft. And that's really what we try to do. That's what I've been doing the last 20 years, trying to identify the players, really uh, get your rankings in order, get your draft board set, And uh, not only predict, you know, who's coming off the board, you know, the draft grades for each of the rounds, and then also trying to pair the teams up with the players and the rounds as well. Well, we're doing things a little bit differently here, and we're teams completely out out the window right now. And really, you know, we have free agency. There's a lot that could change. So the teams, we're going to go ahead and and take a look at that later on. What we really want to focus on are the numbers, so we're going to play a little analy- analytics game here, and we're going to take a look at the last five drafts. are going all the way back to 2016 through 2020, this past season, and we're going to take a look at some of the averages, take a look at you know who's coming off the board when, and see if we can figure this thing out. So as an example, we're going to take a look at that quarterback position before we jump into the defensive side of the football, of course. The quarterback position, if you look at it over the last five years, 62 quarterbacks were taken. So if, you know, over the last five drafts, that would average about between 12 and 13 quarterbacks. So, I mean, that averages out to, you know, you look at 13, that's a number that you saw come off the board in 2020. You know, the year Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, vailoa Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love really headlined that class in round one. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts coming off the board in round two, got to see the field and get some playing time there as well. Jake Luton getting a little bit of playing time there with the Jags as did Ben DiNucci in the seventh round, uh, with the Cowboys. So that was your 2020 class. And that was the most since our 2018 class. Now the 2018 class is kind of that unique class because we had four quarterbacks come off the board in the top 10 picks, we have five quarterbacks taken overall in round number 1. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Now obviously Lamar Jackson, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, you know, and, and an MVP. You look at Josh Allen made it to the AFC Championship. Baker Mayfield taking the Browns to uh to the playoffs. Sam Darnold, is he going to stay with the Jets? Is he not? That's going to be one of the storylines here for the offseason season. Um, But when you look at that 2018 draft, it's interesting. Five quarterbacks taken in round one. We look at the quarterbacks now, and we can very well see the exact same thing happen. You look at Trevor Lawrence. We know he's likely going to be the number one overall pick to the Jaguars. But then you have Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Now, all three of these guys, we look at the, the, the teams in the top 10, the New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons at four, uh, the Lions at 7, really the Eagles at 6, depending on what happens with Carson Wentz. But then the Lions at 7, the Panthers at 8, a lot of teams sitting right there. I mean, even the 49ers at number t- at 12 could potentially trade up and look for a quarterback as well. So there's a good chance that we'll see all four of those quarterbacks come off the board in the top 10 picks. And I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Senior Bowl, but Mac Jones was a stud in Mobile and really showcased some skills. And look, you know, what's interesting about Mac Jones is he's not the, not the biggest, not the most physically imposing, um, doesn't have a huge arm, but what he does have is the preparation. He has the mental fortitude, uh, the football acumen, and, uh, does a tremendous job with, uh, throwing his receivers open, uh, the touch, the ball placement, um, the accuracy, feels a lot like a Bill Belichick-type quarterback and someone that could come off the board at number 15 overall. So there's a good chance we could potentially see five quarterbacks come off the board in the first 15 picks. So it's not unheard of that you'd have five quarterbacks come off the board in round one. We just saw that just a couple of years ago. What's interesting with that draft is we didn't have a quarterback taken in round number two and just one quarterback taken in round three, and that was Mason Rudolph. Now here's the thing, Mason Rudolph and Tr- Kyle Trask, similar quarterbacks. I think there are a lot of comparisons between the two. You know, uh, you look at the arm strength and the questionable arm strength there between the two guys. Um, you know, but definitely guys that when you watch them play, um, you know the ability to you know the pinpoint accuracy. You see some of the touch, uh, their ability to play in a pro style offense. Um, I- I'm looking at Kyle Trask. I see him as a third round pick. So, obviously, right there, you've got six quarterbacks coming off the board in the first uh, two days of the draft. Not unheard of. We actually saw that in 2016, 2017, and 2018. And then, you know, the last two seasons, we've had five quarterbacks come off the board in the first three rounds. So, that's kind of how we were breaking things down with the quarterback position. After that, you know, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, uh, and Jamie Newman kind of fitting in there as well. Uh, So, that's kind of how we were breaking down the quarterback position. And, you know, it's going to be fun to kind of take a look at the defensive side of the football now and really take dive into each of these positions. And we're going to start with the defensive end position. And what's interesting here, when you look at the defensive end position, a year ago, we had 24 defensive ends taken, led obviously by, by Chase Young, uh, you know the, the second overall pick going to the Redskins looks like a, a difference maker there for uh, um, for Washington. I, they're now the Washington Football Team at the time. I, I believe he was still a, a Redskin, so I, I do apologize there. It's the Washington Football Team now. Uh, you know Calévan Chason um, was taken you know with the 20th overall pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those were the only two first round picks. At the defensive end position, but we still had 24 total defensive ends taken. That's the most since 2014, when we had 24 uh, defensive ends. If you'll remember, that's the the year that Jadavion Clowney went number one overall. You had D. Ford, DeMarcus Lawrence, Stephon Tuit in that draft class. Uh, so, just because you don't have very many. Uh, defensive ends coming off the board in uh, the first round doesn't mean you're not going to have necessarily a a really strong draft class so what i'm looking at here is over the the course of the last five years we've had 104 defensive ends taken you're looking at roughly about 21 that you would see come off the board total so that that's kind of the average but what I'm looking at here is is we've got between four and five guys, possibly even six that can come off the board uh, in round number 1. Um, now obviously, you know, Greg Gregory Rousseau is, is the guy that everybody's talking about and, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a kid as a redshirt freshman, uh, 6'7", 265, bursts onto the onto the scene there for the U 54 total tackles for a defensive end, 19 and a half tackles for loss, but the 15 and a half sacks showed an impressive get getoff, uh, tremendous length, able to really use his long arms to his advantage, keep the, the, the blockers off of him, and then the ability to bend. A guy that size able to bend coming off the edge is really rare, but here's the deal. Just one year... Of production there, obviously, as as that redshirt freshman, he sat out 2020 uh, due to the COVID-19 precautions. Said he wanted to go ahead and uh, get ready for the draft, and and really the the concern that you have there is is okay, I only have one player, you know, one year uh, with this kid, and you know, is he a guy that's going to be able to step onto the field right away? Um, but I think you know, given if you're drafting for traits, I mean, you see the production in one year. Gregory Rousseau will be a first-round pick. I think you know. You also look at Quiddy Pay, 272 out of Michigan, and this dude, uh, you know, only had four games in 2020. Uh, both he and Aiden Hutchinson battled some injuries, but look, you know, the thing with with Quiddy Pay is you see the power. He has tremendous, uh, tremendous hands as well. And uh, if you haven't seen that three cone drill, uh, you know, it's all over social media. Uh, this is a guy who who can bend. Um, and and turn the corner in a hurry, can sink those hips and and really get uh, get get low coming off that edge, and uh, flattens out in a hurry. Um, he's a guy that, look, you know, you know, he only has 11 and a half sacks in four seasons with the Michigan Wolverines, but, uh, that, that, doesn't mean that he's not effective getting after the quarterback, the QB hurries and his ability to just make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I think to me, Quiddy Pay is a guy that ha- could push to potentially be that number one defensive end taken in this draft. Joseph Osai, you know, this is a guy who I think you know, just could continue to get better and better as the season progressed. Uh, 6'4, 253, the junior out of Texas. And this was a guy, look, when he came into the year, you know, he was a an outside linebacker. He was kind of moving to kind of almost a rush defensive end, you know, play with his hand in the dirt, would also be a stand-up rush. Um, you know, is he an outside linebacker? Is he an end? And really, I think he he confirmed that he is a defensive end and a guy that, you know, the motor's always running. And a guy that just, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, I was giving him a hard time. I watched some of his spin moves. It looked a little a little lazy, not all that crisp. And then next thing you know, you see this guy firing off the ball in a hurry. Uh, his ability to bend is ridiculous. The hand usage. Uh, look, you know, this, this past season, five and a half sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss, but that doesn't do it justice. You know, if you watch that game against Oklahoma State, uh, you know, just burning, uh, you know Tevin Jenkins uh, an offensive tackle there for for the cow- the Cowboys who has a chance to be a first round pick himself just ran right around him and chased down uh, Spencer Sanders who's you know pretty athletic quarterback chased him down to ultimately finish that game off Texas beats Oklahoma State and uh, you know Joseph aside to me is a guy that's gonna be a late one uh, on that defensive end you know Jalen Phillips, you know, out of Miami 65 266 you know, another guy who you know, he battled injuries there at UCLA uh, 2017 2018 only played in 10 total games it was a former number one overall prospect there for the Bruins ultimately decides he's going to transfer to Miami sat out 2019 and uh, comes in. 15 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. And this is a guy I think is one of the more complete defensive ends because he can rush the quarterback uh, with both power and speed can bend coming off the edge. can take an inside path to the quarterback. And uh, the hand usage, the bull rush is also there as well. The big thing for him is going to be the medicals. This is a guy who I think could end up being a mid-first round pick if the medicals check out. That's a big if right now. But he's a guy to me that I think really helped himself there playing this season in Miami. So those are the four guys that I think are are locks for the first round, in my opinion. There are two other guys that are really debating whether or not they're going to be first rounders. And the first one's gonna be Carlos Boogie Basham there out of Wake Forest, 6'5, 285, big dude. And uh, you know, when I watch him play, he you know reminded me a little bit of, of AJ Eponessa, you know, uses a lot of, of of hand, you know, his hand usage is, is tremendous, uh, a lot of power to his game as well. Uh, not overly explosive, but the more you watch uh, Boogie Basham play, the more you actually see him bend off the edge a little bit more for, you know, for a guy his size. Uh, you know, a, a guy who I think can be a little, you know, I think he's more explosive than Epinesa. Look, Epinesa, everyone looked at him as a first round pick, and then he runs that 505-40, ends up falling to round number two, and the Bills ended up taking him uh, in the second round. Um, You know, I think Boogie Basham's going to run, you know, obviously sub five, you know, in my opinion, I think he'll probably run in the four eight range. Is that enough to get him into first round contention? I I don't know. But, you know, again, tremendous size and the production look 35 and a half tackles for loss 19 and a half sacks. Uh, you know, a guy that just continues to work hard, getting after uh, after the quarterback. Look, 173 total tackles, and, and you know that's with only six games played in 2020. Uh, to me, you know, Boogie Basham. Look, seven forced fumbles in the last two seasons alone, eight pass breakups uh, as well. Um, he has a great chance to be a first rounder, but it also wouldn't surprise me that he fall. You know, if he falls, um, so. He'll be, he'll be one of those interesting guys, as is Joe Tryon out of Washington. Now this is a guy who sat out 2020, 6'5", 262, uh, was an outside linebacker there for the Huskies, but I can envision him being a 4-3 defensive end at the next level. And look, really in, in his first year of, of action as a starter, uh, you know, eight sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, a guy that, you know, can get into someone's body. And, you know, what I really, you know, is really impressive with him is the hip flexibility. You know, getting under that pad level can really drive his man back into the quarterback and uh, has some nice rip moves uh, to ultimately secure that edge and, and get after the pa- after the passer. Um, you know, the ankle flexion as well. That's one of the things that you really see, you know, is taking some of those odd angles uh, as he's turning in the corner. Uh Joe Tryon you know again it's one of those things you're trying to predict some of these players who are sitting out an entire season are they going to be you know, ready for for the the NFL and it's one of those things to where you know would a team take a guy just based on that potential in 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 uh, in the first round. Or would you potentially look at taking the guy in round number two? That's where I'm kind of I'm iffy there with Joe Tryon. One other name to of, of note is Jason Owe uh, out of Penn State. Look, you know, he's a redshirt sophomore, 6'5, 252 pounds, uh, really kind of a breakout candidate coming into the season because really he showed up, you know, seven tackles for loss seven sacks you know a guy that you know, was getting after the quarterback you know, showed some nice speed coming off the edge and uh, in seven games with the Nittany Lions had six and a half tackles for loss but didn't get a, a single sack you know, it was one of those things he's lined up on one side shaka Tony's lined up on the other and so you're expecting one of the two of them to get home and get to the quarterback and unfortunately Jason Owe just didn't have that so really what you're looking at there is you're scouting for traits you're scouting for potential more so than the production and for me that that scares me a little bit because you know if you're talking about edge rushers guys that should be getting home and should be getting to the quarterback really making an impact i could sit there and draft for traits all day long but if you can actually make an impact on the football field, you know, that's really what worries me. I can draft athletes all day long, but if they don't have that fire, they can't actually get the job done there out on the football field. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So to me, I think Jason Oway is ultimately a second round pick. So end of the day, when we look at this over the last five years, you know, you're looking at an average of about 3.6. So, all right, you know, for defensive ends in the first round we, we've got that there um so now you're looking at uh, you know i've got another four that will come off the board in round number two so when you're talking about that you look at that and and really uh you know in 2016 2017 we had eight come off the board in the first two rounds Last season, we just had six. We did have four come off the board in round number two. Uh, the two other guys that, or the one other guy that I was looking at for a round two potential is Patrick Jones, the second. Um, and look, this is a dude. You know, he's a bad dude. He's 6'5, 260 there for Pitt. He and Rashad Weaver uh, coming off the edge. I would have loved to have seen Jalen uh, Twyman there in the middle, uh, rushing from from within and collapse in the pocket. Um, that would have been a nice trio uh, wreaking havoc there in the ACC as it was, uh, you know, Patrick Jones' second, you know, 32 tackles for loss, 21 and a half sacks, uh, five forced fumbles, four pass breakups in his career, uh, tremendous length, you know, really a, a strong get off, uses is uh, another guy with really excellent hand usage uh good uh secondary moves getting back to the inside to pressure the quarterback but look you know i said i wasn't going to talk about the senior bowl but this was the guy who was matched up against quinn Miners. um you know and again this is a guy you know from uh, wisconsin whitewater and they said look if you're a A a D3 guy, if you're good enough, Jim Nagy's going to find you, and this is a guy who absolutely buried Patrick Jones coming off the edge, just really drove him into the ground, excellent rep there, Um, and that's a a big reason why Quinn was the uh, offensive lineman of, of of the week. And uh, when you look at, at, at Patrick Jones, you know, obviously that wasn't the best rep, but he's still an explosive playmaker coming off the edge. Is he a guy that's going to be a, a first round talent? Uh, you know, that remains to be seen, um, but definitely a, a guy that I think is, is going to come off the board no later than round number two. So there we go. We've got our, our eight there for the first two rounds. Um, so how many for round number three? Well, What's interesting is we've had no less than three taken, but in um, three of the last five years, we've had at least five, and we had actually six taken uh, in last year's draft. So when you look at that draft class, obviously Peyton Turner is a guy that's really intriguing. Um, You know, a guy that, you know, he didn't always start for Houston, but he has tremendous length. He's 6'6", 270 pounds. Um, you know, and in just five games with the Cougars, had ten ten and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Tremendously explosive. Nine pass breakups in in his first three years there with the Cougs as well. And uh, you know, definitely explosive coming off the edge. You know, a guy again. You know, he didn't always start for Houston, but definitely a guy that was you know a, a speed rusher, a guy that could really you know affect the passer and somebody that I think you know, has that. potential Potential to be a second rounder, but I think he still has some rawness to his game that makes me think round three is probably a safer bet for him. How about Rashad Weaver? I mentioned him previously about you know playing there at Pitt. Um, and look, 17 sacks in his career, 34 tackles for loss. And uh, look, you know, 2019 was a no go for him. Tore his ACL, was out for the season. Um, and, and look, he, he rebounded well. You know, it's one of those things. In nine games, you have seven and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss. Um, they're in 2020, and really, you know, he and his running mate Patrick Jones again. They didn't have Twyman there in the middle, um, but I, I think Weaver that knee needs to check out. Uh, but I think third round makes a lot of sense for him. Um, when you look at, uh, how about Deo uh, Odenbo, um coming out of Vanderbilt. Another dude who's, who's very big. He's physical. He's 6'6", 276. Does a tremendous job setting the edge. Um, has a pretty good burst. Really strong hands as well. Uh, you know, gets a nice push into the backfield. Set again, sets the edge against the run. Um, but a guy that's going to affect the passer—he's one of those guys. When you watch him play there for the Commodores, the more and more you watch him, the more and more you you like what you see. And uh, so, to me, he feels a lot like um, you know a, a guy that should come off the board in, in round number two. And uh, you know, when I look at him. You know, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of uh, Tano pas uh, a, a guy that came out of out of villanova um, similar similar size you know a guy that uh you know he ultimately came off the board in round number two and you know similar athleticism and so it's one of those things to where round two round three you know i think that makes a lot of sense you know if we're just playing it by the numbers i think Odengbo probably comes off the board in round number three I think Ronnie Perkins out of OU. Obviously, you've got some of the off-field things uh, to, to check out with with Perkins. Uh, but when he made it back to the lineup there in 2020, after sitting out the, the first five games, he was a difference maker. Now, if you don't know what happened off-field, uh, he and Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Trajan Bridges, uh, a receiver there for for the Sooners, they were busted. Uh, you know, smoking marijuana. Uh, Prior to the Peach Bowl, so they were suspended for the Peach Bowl and then the first five games of the year. And uh, Ronnie Perkins, when he he was there on the sideline for a game before uh, he actually returned, and once he stepped onto the field, he played like his hair was on fire from the from the jump. And, and this is a guy; he's so explosive coming off the edge, uh, uses his hands really well, bends well coming off, and that that relentlessness coming after the football. Uh, again, OU's defense changed when he made it into the lineup. It was one of those things, you know, Nick Benedo started playing a lot better and uh, and Perion Winfrey, the the nose tackle, he suddenly seemed to really just have a, you know, more pep in his step and, and Isaiah Thomas who was really the the MVP up front. for for OU he started playing better and once you had the guys in the front seven playing better then you had the back end playing better Trey Brown Trey Norwood a couple of guys that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit Ronnie Perkins there was a lot that he he meant a lot to that OU team Um, he's a little undersized um, but definitely a guy that can come off the edge I don't see him getting past round number three um, especially when you see the the type of impact that he made there uh, at OU and and one final guy that I'm looking at here and that's going to to be uh, uh Adi Ogandeje out of uh Notre Dame, and really what I like about Ogandeje is you know, he's one of those guys, he doesn't look like uh, you know, he's gonna be overly explosive when you, when you see him uh, hit the field. But look, he's 6'4, 268, so he's still a physical specimen, you just don't anticipate him moving as well as he does. Uh, had six sacks. Uh, this past year, really his best year, getting after the quarterback, ten and a half in all in his three years there for the Irish. And, and look, you know, with, with Ogedeji I think what was most impressive, you know, there was a, a rep in a game where, you know, the running back trying to bounce the football outside, he's able to get off the block, and you know, I, the name of the running back slips my mind, but he was able to not only get off his block but able to move laterally and beat the running back to the spot, to the outside, and able to drop that running back in space. Tremendous athleticism for a guy that size. Um, and for me, I think that's one of the things when I look at round number three, that makes a lot of sense. Get some of those athletic defensive ends, uh, you know, to go ahead and round out day two. So if we have that, have that right, that's 13 defensive ends taken uh, in the first three rounds. So if that happens, that'd be the most since 2017. Now, 2017—that's a draft that we kind of want to forget, at least at the top of the draft. Uh, outside of uh, you know, Miles Garrett, obviously going number one overall. Um, you know, so Miles Garrett still playing well for the Browns, but then you have Solomon Thomas, you know, Derek Barnett play well for the Eagles, but uh, you know Jonathan Allen for the Redskins, kind of an up and down career. Uh, you know, it's Karis McKinney, Tack McKinley. Um, you know, for the Falcons, you know, really struggled there, as has, uh, you know, Taco Charlton, who was taken number 28 overall by the Cowboys. Um, Really an underwhelming draft class at the defensive end position. So we really hope that uh, we get some more players out of this group um, if we get 13 coming off the board. But, you know, that that seems about right when we look at the numbers overall. Um, You know, if we move on to round number four, um, you know, I, I figure we're probably looking at about three defensive ends taken in this round. That's about the average over the last five years. And when you look at it, I think Taron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina really jumps uh, jumps off the board for me. Um, when I look at him, you know, he's 6'2", 260, so he doesn't have tremendous size, but the production is absolutely there. 42 tackles for loss, 24 and a half sacks. Uh, six force fumbles, a guy that has a motor that just just does not quit. And uh, even though he, he's undersized, he makes up for it with excellent leverage and a, and a nice get off coming off the ball. Does a really good job with the stunts, getting inside and, and shooting past the guard in the, in, in the center. Uh, to me, you know, he's he's one of those guys that just feels like a, a fourth round pick. He feels a little bit like uh, Oshane Zimenez coming out of o- Old Dominion. He actually came off the board in round three, but I think Jackson um, comes off the board early day three. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, how about Osa Odegazua? Um, You know, his brother, Oamabe, also came out of UCLA uh, for the Giants. And I look at Osa, you know, another guy who's undersized. He's 6'2", 279, but uh, tremendous power. The power in his hands is is off the charts. A guy that's going to rush off the edge. But really what you're looking at, they wanted to line him up inside as as much as possible. And a guy that had that quick get-off, the speed to power, and drive his man into the backfield can set a really strong edge as well. And you really like that power out of Odigazua. Uh, you know, I think had he had a little bit more size, he'd remind me a little bit more of, uh, of, of Odengbo and could potentially be a, a day two pick. But I still see him being a fourth rounder because of his, you know, his ability to really push that pocket and be, you know, have some versatility despite his, his lack of overall size. Uh, and then how about we're going to go with Duke, uh, a Duke defensive end. And I know everyone wants to talk about uh, Chris Rumpf, but, you know, the guy that had really a nice year uh, for Duke, uh, what was uh, Victor uh, DeMuke, I always mess up his name, DeMukeje. You know, 6'2", 265, and this is a guy, look, the last two seasons he's had 16 sacks. 17 and a half tackles for loss. I thought he outplayed Chris Rumpf this this season for the Blue Devils. And, uh, you know, a guy that, you know, again, undersized, he's 6'2", but a guy that that can bend a little bit coming off the edge, has some pretty good power, plays with excellent leverage. And and so he's another guy. um, Round four feels about right. So you've got some of these undersized defensive ends but guys that are extremely productive and guys that that you know not only understand leverage, but guys that are gonna make plays in the backfield, round four feels about right. You know, when you look at round five, you know, round five, you know, I think when you look at that round, you know, before we move on to round five, round four uh, was when we had DJ Wonham come off the board for the Vikings this past season. Now, DJ Wonham is one of those guys that had a tremendous year you uh, know as a rookie for the defensive end. You look at round number five, Uh, Alton Robinson uh, you know drafted by the Seahawks he was a second I I believe he was second in the league in sacks so round five you could definitely find uh, some of your edge rushers coming off the board one of the guys that I'm looking at here is Malcolm Kuntz uh, out of Buffalo uh, you know missing his running mate you know Taylor Riggins uh, but still had a tremendous year bending the edge and uh, when I look at him you know, 6'3, 250, you know, he's tall, he's athletic, played in only six games, but still made a, a tremendous impact for the Bulls, you know, having five sacks on the on the year. Um, he's athletic. Uh, bends well coming off the edge. Really a speed rusher. Um, you know, plays a little upright at times, so that's going to get him into trouble. Really kind of exposes himself. Um, needs to, to really drop those hips and, and you're coming off the board, off the ball and really keep that pad level low. Uh, but definitely a guy that I can see coming off the board in round five. How about Wyatt Hubert out of K-State? This is a dude, another guy that plays with his hair on fire, gets himself into trouble a little bit, you know, get some offsides and not only that, but some personal foul penalties, uh, unnecessary roughness, um, really some questionable calls, uh, you know, so you you question the maturity. He's only a junior, but look, you know the intensity. You know that's one of the things. You know he's he's playing hard, whistle to whistle. Six three, two seventy. Had eight and a half sacks, you know, on the year. You know, and, and the year before that had seven sacks, twenty in in, in all for the Wildcats. And uh, you know Wyatt Hubert, he, he's just a fun guy to watch. You know he just he fires off the ball quickly. You know he's got a he bends well. Um, you know, surprised to, to really you know, get that soft edge and you know, when he flattens out He flattens out in a hurry and he gets to the quarterback much quicker than I think anyone anticipates I'd really love to see how he times because if he times well We can potentially see his stock continue to climb. He's one of those guys that nobody's really talking about. and I'm kind of sh- not sure why uh, How about Dalen Hayes out of Notre Dame? Um, you know a, a guy You know that I, I don't think you know, had the greatest year. Um, I think he was overshadowed by uh, Ogun Deje and a lot of other guys on the defensive uh, side of the football there for Notre Dame. But he's 6'3", 258. Uh, has a little bit of a burst coming off the edge. Um, you know, But wasn't overly productive. Uh, you know, Battled some injuries there uh, for the Irish as well. Just played in three games in 2019. Uh, I think that's probably why... Uh, we're not going to see him come off the board any sooner than round number five. Um, moving to round six. Now, only two, roughly two guys taken in round six. Uh, the last two drafts, we haven't had any uh, come off the board in round number six. But I'm trying to identify, see what we can find here in round six. How about Janarius Robertson um, out of Florida State? I-, I like the length you know, with, with him. He's 6'5", he's 260. Um, you know, a guy that can, can set a mean edge against the run. Uh, tremendous effort chasing the football backside. Um, you know, he, he's just wildly inconsistent. You'll see him as a world beater rushing the quarterback. And then the next play, he'll just completely get engulfed, just stand straight up off the ball. And uh, offensive lineman has a, a huge target to lock on to. Uh, but he he does do a really good job using his length to his advantage especially playing the run 20 and a half tackles for loss so he's a guy that does make a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage uh he was just so inconsistent that you know i I wanted to see more out of him out of number 11 for the seminoles um i I just i don't know if if i could take him higher than round number six Uh, one other guy that i'm gonna go ahead and throw out there for round six how about chauncey golston out of uh out of iowa you know, this is a guy, you know, he's 6'5", he's 270. You know, he was a, a running mate for for A.J. Epinesa there. And, uh, you know, a guy that just continues to work, continues to, to get after the quarterback, had five pass breakups a, a season ago, uh, very intelligent football player, high IQ, uh, you know, over 90 tackles in his last two seasons, 17, I'm sorry, 18 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. Um, you know, I, I like his size. I think he's a guy that is scheme versatile. I think he can be a uh, you know a, a five technique in an odd man front. Um, can also be a, a, a defensive end in, in a 30 in a 43 defense. So you know, I, I think because of that, you know, he feels like he probably makes sense as a sixth rounder. And then we get into the seventh round. Uh, Jonathan Cooper out of uh, Ohio State is a guy that. I think it was a little bit unheralded. Uh, not a guy that a lot of people really wanted to talk about. You know, he's 6'4", 257. But look, he showed off his athleticism there down the stretch for Ohio State, especially in the college football playoff. Big Twelve, Big 10 championship as well, getting after Peyton Ramsey and Northwestern. Um, you know, A lot to like in terms of the, the hand usage, being physical, setting a strong edge against the run. Um, tremendous effort getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, when I look at him, And I I look at that seventh round uh, ranking, I I look at a guy like like Jonathan Garvin uh, out of Miami, a guy that I think a lot of people were expecting him to come off the board sooner than round seven, but, you know, a guy that, again, was was physical. Sean Cornell coming out of Ohio State as well. Um, So I think Jonathan Cooper, really, this was his year to kind of step up and and take on that leadership role. I think he definitely did that. Um, So I think he definitely deserves to be drafted. I just don't know that he's going to get drafted any higher than round number seven. Um, I look at a couple of other guys. Malik Herring uh, is a guy that a lot of people really like. And, you know, there, there is reason to be be excited about the player. He, look, he's 6'3", 280, uh, you know, and a guy that, that can come off the edge, uh, not overly productive there for, for Georgia, and a guy that, look, you know, he, he's – Hasn't played more than 10 games in a season there, at, um, you know, in UGA. And uh, so he's one of those guys that I think could come off the board there in round seven. Um, you know, there's John, John uh, Joshua Kando out of Florida State. He's 6'7", 265, the junior, uh, another guy who, um, you know, just left you wanting more. But I think because of his size, because of the, the potential, uh, there's a chance that he may get drafted. But uh, I'm going to actually lean towards Jaquan Bailey there out of uh, Iowa State. Now, this is a guy that's a lot of fun to watch, in, ter- in my opinion. He's 6'2, 261, so another guy who's undersized, only played in three games in 2019, battled the injury bug, came back for a fifth year in 2020. And look, you know, 44 tackles for loss, so a guy that knows how to get into the backfield, 25 sacks in his career. 13 pass breakups so you know not only is he you know when he's not getting to the quarterback he still understands you know, the ability to get his hands up and make plays on the football uh, you know he's one of those guys he does tend to get engulfed by the def- uh, by the offensive tackle if he doesn't win off the ball uh, you know if the if he allows that off to tackle to get his hands on him he struggles to get off those blocks at times uh but he, he, the production, I think, is going to ultimately win out, and I think he will get drafted in round number seven. So when you look at the defensive end, I think out of those guys, we'll see three, co- three come off the board, uh, which would bring us to 24 total defensive ends that we've talked about, which would equal last year's total for that defensive end position. So it'll be interesting to see if this draft class is able to go ahead and duplicate what last year's draft class was able to do. Moving on to the defensive tackle position, and look, defensive tackle, last couple of years, the draft classes have not been all that impressive. Last season, just 18 taken in uh, in the draft, and that's one of those things, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at 2016 through 2019, we had... Uh, no less than 21 defensive tackles taken. So the you know, before that, you had 2013 and 2014 when you saw these lower numbers, 18 in 2013, 19 in 2014. You know, and I think we're headed towards a, a similar total. Maybe not. You know, I, I think this is a draft class. We don't see a whole lot of production at the top. But i'm looking at that draft class and there are a lot of names towards the back end of this draft to where there is a chance that we may see as many as 23 come off the board i think you could have as few uh, again as, as 18 but you could have as many as 23 which was the total that we had in 2019. now over the last five years you've had 109 defensive tackles taken you know which brings us to about 21 to 22 uh, defensive tackles so we're not too far off of that average so when you look at this draft class I think there are two defensive tackles that have set themselves apart from everyone else, and that's Christian Barmore uh, out of Alabama, and Davion Nixon out of uh, out of Iowa. Now, Christian Barmore, look, this was a man among boys in, in the national title game, uh, just continually uh, beating guys up, uh, up front there against Ohio State. I, I think even Wyatt Davis took a few reps against uh, uh, against Barmore. Just so powerful with his hands. So quick off the football as well. The, that blend of, of speed and, and size. I'm looking at the Raiders at 17. They need a defensive tackle. They need some of that, that presence from within. They need to put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, they're, they're also on the market for a defensive end. But uh, I think you could potentially see Barmore come off the board here. You can see him come off the board to the Titans. They're on the lookout for, uh, you know, for someone up front. And, and look, you know, I think Barmore's scheme versatile. I think he's one of those guys who we could definitely see come off the board Uh, you know, to a 34 defense and either be a five technique. He would even even play inside um, over the nose. You can see him play a three technique in an even man front as well. So very scheme versatile um, That's 6'5", 3'10", tremendous length. Um, And then Davion Nixon, you know, if you listen to my any of my podcasts, this was a guy that was a big, I was a big fan of his because I, I just think that You know, the the explosiveness. You just saw that time and time again, the the interception against Penn State that he was able to return back. Just so explosive, shooting the gaps. You know, did a great job getting skinny and and getting through, getting to the quarterback, getting home. And uh, so I I think when you look at uh, Davion Nixon... Um, You know, this past season, 13 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. So definitely a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback and not to be outdone with, with, you know, Christian Barmore, obviously, uh, nine and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks. the defensive end position and that's the thing when you're talking about defensive tackles and you want to draft them in round number one they have to be able to put pressure on the quarterback they just can't be one-dimensional against the run you've got to be able to push the pocket from within and get after the quarterback both of these guys are able to do that so i do see them coming off the board in round one do we see any other defensive tackles coming off the board in round one there's a potential for uh for levi amuzurike there for washington a lot of people like him he's 6'3 288 Uh, Physical up front, you know, a guy that, look, he has 16 tackles for loss, seven sacks, sat out 2020. You know, what I, you know, I I think he's definitely athletic. I think he's definitely a guy that's going to come off the board uh, sometime on day two. I just don't see him being a first round pick. There are a lot of reps to me where he would stand straight up and would get neutralized you know, you'd know, you see the athleticism you see the the lateral agility but that pad level would creep and get straight he'd stand straight up and would completely get neutral neutralized and i know that that you're going to say well the defensive line coach there in the league is going to work on that and they're going to coach him up and, and he has the traits the athletic traits to me you know there's a there's a good chance that he could come off the board in round one but I, I just I look at the talent pool and I, I just I think there are too many guys that uh, I would take ahead of Levi uh, in round number one so I, I think he'd be a guy that would come off the board in round two to be perfectly honest so if you have three come off the board or two off come off the board in round one uh, that equal the total from a season ago uh, if you'll remember Derek Brown and Javon Kimla were the only two defensive tackles taken in round one in which uh, you know, the year prior in 2019, we actually had six defensive tackles. If you, you know, if you'll remember, from Quinn and Williams, Ed, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, you know, that was a class that uh, you know really stood out uh, and was top heavy. Um, I, I think with this draft class, you're seeing more guys in the middle rounds, and that's really where you're going to see the value. Uh, J. two Tupele out of USC, I think, is a, is a second round pick. Um, you know, this is a guy. He showed some nice explosiveness. He's six three, three oh five. Um, you know, a guy who you know, was able to. to you know, picked up a, a fumble, returned it for a touchdown. As a as a true freshman, showed off really good athleticism, taking off the field, uh, down the field as well. Uh, you know, really ran uh, as a five technique there for the Trojans and. Uh, you know, but he can also play a defensive tackle position. Um, not as explosive as as Leonard Williams, but definitely a guy that I think you know could could have been a difference maker for SC had he come in, uh, come back for his junior season. Uh, reason why he sat out, look, he, you know, COVID hit his family hard, and so ultimately he was a guy that we knew was going to enter the draft anyway. So it made perfect sense for him uh, to opt out, and I see him being a second rounder for sure. Uh, and then Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh, I'm a big fan. I'm Higher on Jalen Twyman than, than a lot of guys. Look, he's 6'2, 290. The junior, he was wearing Aaron Donald's number, and don't compare him to Aaron Donald by any means. You know, he, he's undersized uh, in terms of height, much like Aaron Donald, but you know, he's not quite as powerful as, as Aaron Donald. But look, when you look from a production standpoint, you know, that's the other thing that Aaron Donald has on him. But in one season, and again, you know, we talked about Gregory Rousseau and, and the number of, of sacks that he had coming off the edge. How about Jalen Twyman pushing the pocket from within, showing ex- you know tremendous quickness off the ball, showing the, the speed to power, 12 tackles for loss, but 10 and a half sacks. Coming there at the at the three technique. You want know, to look at these undersized guys. I said it about Aaron Donald that you know he reminded me of, of Geno Atkins, and I look at, at Jalen Twyman, you know, and yeah, Geno Atkins comes to mind yet again. Really an explosive guy coming off the football and can win from within. If you can collapse the pocket from within, then uh, you know you're definitely going to going to win there. Um, you know I, I think about you know Chris Jones, and the impact that he's had there in, in KC. You want to have those guys that can collapse. the collapse the pocket from within, and I think that uh, Jalen Twyman can absolutely do that. When you get to round three, you know, Mar- Marvin William, or I'm sorry, Marvin Wilson out of Fre- uh, Florida State, everybody looking at Marvin Wilson and they were expecting to see, you know, this guy was a surefire first rounder, but the effort wasn't always there. I thought the motor ran hot and cold, would disappear at times. You know, uh, when he got a, got a good burst off the football, he could explode by guys as, as a three technique, um, you know even line up over the nose um, as a five technique when they ran an ombad in front he was able to go ahead and get by the uh, by the tackle at times really shooting inside has a really nice rip move and a nice arm over as well um, but there was a lot of tape where he would just get stood up where he would get driven back off the football and where he just wouldn't make an impact at all and uh, again, I, I said I wasn't going to mention the Senior Bowl, but uh, he got stifled quite a bit by by Drake Jackson as well. Um, the the undersized and, and short-armed uh, center there for, for Kentucky, he really stonewalled uh, Marvin Wilson. So I think he's gonna his draft stock's gonna slide. I don't know that he's gonna make it out of the first two days, but definitely a guy that I think is going to slide in the draft. I look like at Bobby Brown, uh, the 325 pounder. They're out of Texas A&M. He reminds me a lot of uh, another uh, defensive tackle uh, that came out of Texas A&M in Justin Mat- Matabike. Now, Matabike came off the board in round three, number 71 overall. I'm looking at, at Bobby Brown, and I could see a similar draft spot, draft position for him. Uh, you know Bobby Brown, uh, you know, 6'4", 325 as I mentioned, 7.5 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks this past year. A guy that just showed tremendous power, just driving his man into the backfield. You saw that time and time again. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then how about Darius Stills out of West Virginia? Come on, 6'1", 285, Big 12, uh, defensive lineman of the year. And so you're talking about one, you move from one guy who showed tremendous power to a guy that showed tremendous quickness coming off the ball if you watch West Virginia's bowl game this was a guy that was living in uh, in the opponent's backfield you know ultimately he wasn't making a ton of plays only had a couple of tackles on the day but that low pad level firing off the ball was blowing up run plays left and right Uh, you know look you know this last this last season 7.5 7.5 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, a year removed from, from 43 total tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 6 sacks. He and his brother, Dante, who has one more year there for the Mountaineers, were just, you know, they seem to live in opponent's backfield. And the real reason is, is that pad level. This is a guy that wins with leverage and wins with an explosive burst off the football. And, and you know, for me, I look at him, he feels like it, he should come off the board in, uh, in round three. I actually, you know, I'm kind of torn between the, the third and fourth round for him. I think because he's undersized, he make he may come off the board in round four. Um, you know, and he's one of those guys. He and Aline McNeil are the two that I'm kind of debating. You know, who, who's which of these two guys is going to come off the board in round uh, round three, and who's going to come off the board in round four. You know, again, you know, Alim McNeil played in just six games for the Wolf Pack, but he's 320 pounds. The junior, you know, has seventeen and a half tackles for loss, ten sacks uh, in his career. So another guy that can definitely push the pocket from within, get after the quarterback. Um, I think the production there, I think may end up winning out, and I think he he'll end up coming off the board in round three. Um, you know, surely I think he will. Um, you know, Tommy Togiai you know, out of Ohio State, a guy that. Uh, really got his chances here made the most of it you know i think you know, the 6'2 300 pound junior um, showed that he can get after the quarterback a little bit can you know be stout at the point of attack against the run as well um and then how about uh Kiaris tonga uh out of byu the guy that look you know he's 6'4 321 a guy that can can uh, hold the point of attack did a really good job uh you know, anchoring the middle of that defense, allowing those linebackers to make plays behind him. So they had a lot of really athletic linebackers from Max Thule to, to Peyton Milgar and, uh, you know, Tonga, I think was the guy in the middle though, that was really disruptive getting after the quarterback. And uh, look, he had five pass breakups this year. So it did a really good job getting his hand in passing lanes as well. Um, I think he's a guy that uh, could be a that third or fourth round pick as well. Um, so when we look at the draft class, you know, traditionally, um, When we look at, uh, let's see, about if we add this up, we're looking at probably about seven uh, defensive tackles taken in in, on day two in the second and third rounds. And what we have right now um, with our numbers, we're looking at eight, uh, which would be the the, the most since 2018. but, you know, it definitely feels like that's probably probably about accurate. Um, I've already mentioned Darius Stills with our round four. Uh, I, I think Tyler Shelvin, you know, the big mammoth uh, tackle there for, for LSU, sat out this past year. And, and he's one of those guys to me, you know, you know 6'3", 346, and a run stuffer. You know, not a guy that's going to get after the quarterback down after down. He's not a Dontari Poe, but he does take up a lot of space. He reminds me a little bit of Lecky Fotu, because uh, he can get a push uh, up the middle. Just not the most explosive guy. Uh, I, I don't see him going any higher than round four because of that. And uh, Marlon Tuli Tui there for USC. You know, turned on, turned things on um, for for the Trojans, especially you know at the beginning of the season. Just continually. Um, showing that athleticism, really pushing the pocket, getting into the backfield, getting after the quarterback, making plays against the run as well. Did a really good job um, if he was engaged, getting that outside arm free to still wrap up the running back, even though he was still engaged with his blocker. Um, You know, the explosiveness. Would have loved to have seen he and and J2 Fele, what they could have done playing together there. Uh, But I, I think he'll not, he won't get out of the fourth round. Um, when we look at round five, you're talking about probably roughly three defensive tackles taken. And so when you look at that, I think Jordan Scott out of out of Oregon, a guy that can uh, show some athleticism, push in the pocket. Um, you know, a guy that nobody's really talking about it is uh, Taequann uh, Graham uh, out of Texas. And what I like about him, he's 6'4", 294, has decent size, but uh, the 21.5 tackles for loss really jumps off uh you know and i didn't realize just how productive he really was but a guy that continually gets a nice push uh getting into opponents backfields uh you know he, he's big and physical and uh you know shows some decent quickness coming off of football as well uh, I, I think he fits in there for round number five how does marquis spencer out of uh, out of arkansas and when i watched him play lucky 6'4 300 uh was playing defensive end um, for, for Mississippi State um, and, and look you know another guy that really knows how to get after the quarterback. You know, you're talking about somebody who had 23 tackles for loss, seven sacks um, you know, and you know, only ended up playing in nine games. Now here's the thing with him. You know, he's a, a, a fifth year fifth year guy and, and you look at it um, you know really every other year he, he kind of had you know didn't play a full slate of games. Um, so in in his freshman, uh, you know his first junior year, you know he only played in three games in 2018, and then 2020, you know, he failed to play in at least 10 games. So that's one of the things, the major red flag there. The production, the athleticism, absolutely there for for Markie Spencer. But I think you know some of those red flags are going to be from the uh, the injury standpoint. I think Jerome Johnson out of out of Indiana makes a lot of sense in round number six um you know what i like about jerome uh you know six three three oh four a guy that can push push the pocket from within um just always you know seemed to have that burst and and seemed to uh, get into opposing backfields you know and i i thought he was one of those he, he was the guy that you had indiana had to have a presence on the inside and jerome johnson teams had to know where he was at all times he was to me, you know, I know Micah McFadden was playing behind him. You had some nice corner play out of, uh, you know, Taiwan Mullen. Um, you know, and you look at Jamar Johnson as the safety. I still think Jerome Johnson may have been the MVP of that defense just with the way that he played to allow some of the guys behind him to make the plays that they did. I think Quentin Bohanna, the big mountain there in, at, at Kentucky. Um, Isaiah Loudermilk, another big, uh, you know, he, he played defensive end at 6'7", 300. Uh, in, in Wisconsin's odd man front. And then uh, Mustafa Johnson, the undersized, you know, 6'2", 290 pound uh, defensive tackle there for, for the Colorado Buffaloes. A guy who I, I think you know, hasn't returned to form. He was one of those guys that I think was, you know, tracking to be someone that was taken early in the draft, especially after that freshman year where he had 15 and a half tackles for loss and seven, seven sa- seven and a half sacks, uh, you know, battled injuries the last two years. And, uh, you know, that's ultimately, you know, he's somebody who I think is really going to have to work hard to get drafted. Um, you know, Austin Falu out of out of uh, Oregon, uh, Kyrie Campbell, uh, Jared Hewitt, you know uh, an overachiever, a guy that really works hard there for Virginia Tech or three other guys. You know, if we do see uh, uh, see guys coming off the board in round seven, you know, that's where we could get to 23. Um, you know, I think you could probably spread some of these guys out and still end up hitting a, a, a total of 20. Um, and that would be just under what our average is. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. But again, I think we'll still end up with more defensive tackles taken than what we had in last year's draft class. So we're gonna move on to the linebacker position. And, and when you look at the linebackers, you know th- this is what's interesting. Um, you know we've had no less than 32 linebackers taken in the draft. Uh, we average about 34 over the last five years, 171 total linebackers taken. Now, last year's draft class, you know, just 32, and you had Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, all headline that draft, taken in round number one, all guys that were able to make, a, make plays there for their teams on the offensive side of the football. Look, we've had at least four linebackers taken in round number one in each of the last four drafts, including – exactly four in the last three and I, I honestly think we're going to see that happen again obviously you've got Jeremiah Wusu koromoa the Buckus Award winner look he's 6'2 215 guy's going to do a little bit of everything for you he's going to play um, you know, on the back end, if you need him to, he's going to rush the quarterback. And I think he has that defined position. Um, you know, unlike Isaiah Simmons, where it took him a little bit to really figure out where he was supposed to play, I think Jeremiah Wusu Kormola could jump in and really uh, hit the ground running. Look, you know, 24 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, 142 total tackles, seven pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Uh, definitely athletic. I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll run into 40. Uh, on his pro day uh when you look at this, you know, Zaven Collins, look, you know, my favorite player in the entire you know, entire draft, Benaric Award winner and Nagursky Award winner, defensive player of the year, uh 6'4, 260. And really, you know, I-, I thought that he was a breakout player last year playing alongside Cooper Edmiston there in the middle. And uh, you know, ultimately in 2020, that was his year. 23 was all over the field. This was a dude, if you needed him to rush the quarterback, he's got you if you want him to it you know, to uh, to play sideline to sideline and gets the run. Yeah, he's got you there too. But what he really showed this year was his ability to drop into coverage, read the quarterback's eyes in space. You know, he struggled a little bit at times, you know, in in uh, man coverage against running backs and tight ends, but look, he's 6'4, 260 and has the ability to play sideline to sideline with that lateral lateral agility and look the interceptions four interceptions including a a walk-off interception return for touchdown 96 yards against uh Tulane. zavin collins to me is a guy that you know he feels like a mike mayock type pick you know I, I think he could also come off the board to to the steelers he feels like a right fit there the saints need a linebacker you know so Zayvon Collins to me is definitely a first rounder for sure. Uh, Micah Parsons out of Penn State, you know, I kind of saved him because he's one of those guys. Look, he's 6'3", 245, and uh, you know, it sat out twenty twenty, and he was a guy that I think everyone was looking forward to see play. Uh, you know, nearly two hundred tackles in his first two seasons, eighteen tackles for loss, uh, did have six and a half sacks. It really looked like he was playing out of position. You know, a guy that was used to getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, but if you ask him to play off-ball linebacker, I think there's going to be a learning curve there. Um, but there, there's no doubt that you know the athleticism is going to be there. I look at at Denver. What's going to happen with Vaughn Miller? I think Micah Parsons there at number nine makes a ton of sense. And then uh, how about Aziz Ojolari? You know, another defensive end uh, slash. Uh, outside linebacker, that edge rusher, 6'3", 240, and a guy that just showed he could bend coming off the edge. So explosive, getting to the quarterback. You know, if you watch the bowl game, you know, Georgia was down to Cincinnati and this was the guy that was wreaking havoc. It was unblockable. Uh, the burst coming off the ball, uh, the, the hip flexibility, able to, to really turn that corner. And I mean, he was already turning, getting that edge, creating that soft edge and uh, getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, before the offensive lineman was really able to engage him. And so to me, I think you know, Tennessee, um, you know, possibly all the way down to, to KC at 32, uh, that makes a lot of sense for, for Aziz. Now, if there's going to be another uh, linebacker taken in round one, it could be Nick Bolton. I think Bolton, what you're ultimately looking at, what's his forty time going to be? Because he is undersized. He's six foot two thirty-two. That lack of length doesn't always allow him to get off blocks. He's definitely a you know chase linebacker. Two hundred twenty tackles in his career, uh, you know, including you know really nearly two hundred. In the last two seasons, uh, you know, 16 and a half two uh, tackles for loss, three sacks, two interceptions, 12 pass breakups. He can absolutely drop into coverage. There's no concerns there. It's really uh, you know the ability to to shed blocks and you know being undersized. And is he a guy that does, has that has enough speed to play that sideline to sideline ability? Um, you know, Dylan Moses. Uh, you look at him. I think he's a guy that um, probably was playing out of position. I think when he was asked to drop and play in space, he really struggled. I think he's a guy that needs to play in the middle, um, and I think teams are going to realize that and, and take him in round number two. Um, we've got five linebackers coming off the board in round two. Um, we average about 3.2. Uh, there haven't been as many as five linebackers taken in the draft since 2016, uh, but I think this year you know, is, is different because, you know look, you got Chas Surratt. Another guy converted quarterback, just continuing to scratch the surface of just how good this guy can play. Uh, a guy that can play the run, you know, uh, get into quarterbacks, you know, quarterback's face, rushing the quarterback. And then he understands route concepts. Uh, you know, he was a former quarterback, so he's able to drop into coverage, read the quarterback's eyes, and really understand what's going on in coverage as well. Um, so I, I think he's a round two pick. Um, you know, Quincy Roche, you know, th- there's a lot of really good tape on him especially if you end up watching him there at Temple where he played the first 3 years had uh, 26 uh, sacks 39 and a half tackles for loss very explosive coming off the edge you know he's 6'3 245 and uh, you know really did a decent job there for, for Miami 14.5 um, you know 14 and a half tackles for loss on the year you know this is the guy who I, I think showed the burst, showed his ability to get off blocks and, and get to the quarterback, you know, in the senior bowl, he had a really good rep against uh, Alex Leatherwood, beat him out of the stance and really, you know, the the hands, hand placement there for, for Alex, you know, was was really off. Uh, didn't match the feet and ultimately Quincy Roche ran around him but Ro- Roche can get get engulfed at times which is why I think he's going to play in space uh, but the production you can't argue with that I think he's a round two guy as is Chris Rumpf. You know, I think Chris Rumpf didn't have the greatest year in, in 2020 uh, but still a guy who's going to be an edge rusher he's a little undersized Um, But again, get him in space, allow him to to, to rush the quarterback coming off the edge, and uh, you'll be just fine. So I think nine linebackers, it's a little bit higher than the average. You're looking at about seven over the first two rounds. Um, Traditionally, nine would be the highest since 2017. Um, And then you could have as many as six come off the board in round three. Uh, and so I think Pete Werner, you know, he's an athletic linebacker, a guy that looks you know, plays like a safety at times with, with the, the range and mobility. Um, play a lot of positions to so Brill Cox. You know, guy, all he does is returns pick sixes. I think he has like four or five in his career between uh, North Dakota State and LSU. Very athletic linebacker. To me, he makes a lot of sense in round three. Barron Browning is another guy. You know, I think he gets lost in space at times, but a guy that could definitely rush the quarterback. And if you ask him to cover, Man, he's got you against running backs and tight end. There's no tight end that really was able to handle Baron Browning. Both he and Pete Werner were even covering guys out on the outside, uh, you know, which allowed Ohio State to really be versatile there at the linebacker position. Bonnie Rice, you know, model of consistency, was a buckus award finalist. And uh, you know, he's 6'1, 235, not the biggest guy, plays inside linebacker, but uh, just very instinctive, a leader there. Um, on the line there for, for Georgia. And look, he's battled some injuries. You know, didn't, you know, the 2019 was the only year where he had played an entire slate of games. Um, so on one, one hand, you can say, well, he you know, might have some fresher legs, but you know, the injury concerns are definitely a red flag. Um, I don't see Monty Rice going any higher than round three. How about Shaka Tony, uh, defensive end, getting after the quarterback, bending, you know, coming off the edge, six-three-two-fifty-two, um, could potentially be a defensive end. I'd like to see him play in space a little bit, though. Um, I love the you know the 20 sacks, the the 20 and a half tackles for loss. You know, it has a nose for the football, four pass breakups, four forced fumbles. Um, I think he's an edge rusher that can come off the board there. And then Tony Fields. You know, was a, a, a three-year starter there for the Arizona Wildcats, led the team in tackles. Musa to West Virginia was absolutely explosive, coming uh, you know, downhill, 6'1", 220 pounds, had 88 tackles in just nine games there for uh, the Mountaineers. Uh, he's a guy that I think can come off the board in round three. So if you're doing your, your math there, that's 15 linebackers taken in the first three rounds. Not unheard of. Um, you know, last year's draft, we had 13. so really it was 2017 the last time that we actually saw 15 linebackers taken, Uh, but it's not unheard of, and I think there's a good chance uh, it'll happen again. Riley Cole, moving on to day three. Riley Cole out of South Alabama, inside linebacker there. I think this is a guy extremely productive there for for the, the, the Jaguars. He comes off the board in round four. Grant Stewart uh, there for Houston. This is a guy who was converted safety. The linebacker makes plays all over the field. Um, Rayshard Ashby, uh, kind of an undersized linebacker, but a guy that makes a ton of plays. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a guy that um, just is an is an interesting pick. You know, a, a guy that you know, I was kind of surprised when he decided that he was going to go ahead and enter the draft. But again, you know, definitely athletic. He's 5'10", 237 pounds, uh, 30, 34 tackles for loss, 10 sacks at that linebacker position to go along with, 293 tackles, back-to-back, 100-yard tackle seasons uh, in 2018 and 2019. Uh, he's going to be a guy to watch, could potentially move up draft boards, uh, potentially into that round number three Uh Category. I think Buddy Johnson and Justin Hilliard are two other guys that can come off the board in round four. Um, you know, I think Buddy Johnson was the guy that was really you know playing sideline to sideline effort there for for Texas A&M. And, and look, Justin Hilliard's a guy that's really coming into his own. You know, this was a guy who you know was at the top of the heap. I, I think in terms of. Um, special teams play, but really got a chance, you know, Baron Browning coming down to injury, really got a chance to play down the stretch, and a guy that you can get after the quarterback, he showed he can play in space, can play the run as well so he's one of those guys who can be a three down linebacker and I think he'll be a better pro than he was a a collegiate player just because of the guys that were around him Um, so that's five guys for for round four uh, which is about right Um, round five average about 5.8 You know, uh, 2019, we actually had 11 linebackers taken here. I've got six penciled in right now. Uh, Hamilcar Rashed, you know, one year removed from just the dominant performance coming off the football, Um, and then this year, I think he really struggled. Look, 6'4", 235, uh, 22.5 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, and then shows up, and, you know, I I guess they forgot to tell him that uh, Pac-12 play had started. Um, just 23 tackles on the year two tackles for loss, no sacks and you know a guy that I thought struggled to, to set the edge against the run um, to me he's one of those guys who was really underwhelming uh, Cam McGrone, I would have loved to see him come back to, to Michigan for one more year um, definitely an athletic kid a guy that can play downhill um, can drop into coverage a little bit um, you know, he's 6'1", 236 uh, to me I, I think round 5, round 6 probably feels about right for him uh, KJ Britt, you know, battled some injuries, but, you know, this is another inside linebacker, no nonsense guy, uh, big hitter, uh, Jacoby Stevens, LSU, 6'2", 230, played on the back end as a safety, I think he's more adept as a linebacker at the next level, um, how about Derek Barnes out of Purdue, uh, converted defensive end, and, and look, you know, this is a dude, He's one of my favorites in this this draft class, and and here's here's why. Um, just a guy that you know has a nose for the football. You'll ask him to do you know a, a variety of things, and he just seems to uh, just always seem to, to make plays and, and do whatever was asked of him. And I think I think that's one of the things that really jumped off for me. 6'1", 245 pounds and uh, again a season ago had seven and a half sacks and 11 tackles for loss for purdue Uh, a year before that as a linebacker had 92 tackles uh, you know, I was playing outside linebacker, inside linebacker. You know, I was playing inside, really middle linebacker in, in 2020. And uh, I, I just love the instincts. I love the way that this kid plays. And uh, I think he's just a, a high effort guy. Uh, I think you know those linebackers there out of out of Purdue. Um, you know, I was higher on Marcus Bailey than. Uh, then ultimately the the league was he ended up coming off the board in round seven so Barnes could come off the board in round seven as well but I'm going to keep him here at round five for right now then Charles Snowden kind of a do everything six seven outside linebacker Um, you know a guy that you worry sometimes about you know can he bend can he play in space a little bit but I I think round five feels about right for him Uh, Patty Fisher uh, Grant Wallow a couple of guys that uh, at that linebacker position Patty Fisher you know had you know, two back to back years to so start out his career at Nor- uh, Northwestern with over 100 tackles. Um, you know, finishes his career with 401 career tackles, 10 pass breakups, 10 forced fumbles, has a tremendous nose for the football at 6'4, 240. And then Grant Wallow, look, 6'2, 230. Reminds me a lot of Ty Summers, who was getting a lot of playing time there for the Packers um 32 and a half tackles for loss eight and a half sacks 295 tackles including 125 in 2019 uh another guy just a nose for the football these are two intelligent football players could come off the board in round seven but i i have them penciled in in round six david curry out of georgia tech another guy um who i think is is a baller a guy that can definitely make some plays there for you uh makes a lot of sense there in round six um you know as i look at this group Um, if I'm going to take a guy that is from a lower level school how about Chris Garrett out of Concordia 6'4 245 pounds and uh, didn't play in 2020 mind you but he still was able to rack up (laughs) 36 and a half sacks and 48 and a half tackles for loss I mean when you look at the numbers the numbers just kind of jump off and you you know they're they're pretty staggering when, when, when you look at this um, you know have 14 and a, and a half sacks uh, in 2019 16 and a half sacks in in 2018 um, you know a, a guy that's just really explosive coming off the ball um, you know and, and, and relentless getting after the quarterback um, you know look Has 15 forced fumbles and nine pass breakups in his career. This is a guy that I think is going to get drafted. Could end up getting drafted even higher, um, but sixth round feels about right just because of the level of play where he was at. Um, You know, I think Patrick Johnson out of Tulane. Um, this feels about the right territory for him. This was a guy um, who disappeared at times. You know, definitely has the athleticism, a guy that I think can come off the edge, but he's the guy that disappeared at times. And then uh, William Bradley King out of Baylor couldn't potentially come off the board even higher. Um, he's 6'4", 248, edge rusher there for Baylor. Um, and, and you know was a transfer, came from Arkansas State and a guy that I think is continuing to get better and better um, you know and he was really a guy that was the most consistent pass rusher there for the Bears and then uh, how about Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa 67 you know, 245 pounds with a defensive end uh, Bryce pop uh, was his position coach and uh, you know had a lot of high. you know held him in high regard um, he's one of those guys i think could come off the board in round six uh Jamin davis a, out of kentucky a, a very athletic and productive linebacker there for the wildcats he's another guy I think that could have that round six conversation ultimately you're gonna have six uh linebackers taken in round six um you know average is about 5.8 um so it makes makes a lot of sense there and then five linebackers in round seven How about Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson the two Boston College linebackers both of these guys uh, you know were the leaders in, in tackles Max Richardson had had 90 uh, 99 tackles in 11 games and uh, you know his counterpart there is running mate um, in Isaiah McDuffie I' bear with me as I try to find him in my notes. But what you loved about about him was was the ins, you know just instinctive play, his ability to to get after the after the football. Really, both of those guys. What I loved about uh, Isaiah McDuffie was his uh, the instinct instincts, and I think that's what you really see out of a lot of the Boston College linebackers. Look, Matt Milano was a Boston College linebacker, um, and he wasn't drafted until the fifth round. And, um, you know, when you look at him from a production standpoint, you're like, oh, you know, it was just not, not anything overly Im- impressive, um, but a guy that ultimately he was just a good football player. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where you get drafted. At the end of the day, what can you do out on the football field? And Isaiah McDuffie, look, he's 6'1", 224 pounds, 107 tackles in those 11 games, uh, six and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, a volume tackler, uh, definitely had a nose for the football. If you wanted to just compare what he did and, and what, uh, what Max did to Matt Milano, look, Matt Milano was 6'1, 221 pounds. He was 163rd overall pick of the Buffalo Bills in 2017. Uh, in his career, 140 tackles. Um, now, here's the big key 32 and a half tackles for loss and 14 sacks during that time frame. So, when you look at that and you compare it to a guy like Isaiah McDuffie, um, you know, McDuffie. Uh, battled some injuries and that's really going to be his biggest issue and I think that's why he may get drafted late you know and on uh on day three uh but still 20 you know 230 tackles 15 and a half sacks eight uh, I'm sorry 15 and a half tackles for lost eight and a half sacks um you know so I, I think he does get drafted but again not until day. uh you know, round seven, tough Borland, a guy that played strong in the middle there for Ohio state. Uh, and uh, Jordan Smith, um, a pass rusher there for UAB, really a raw, uh, you know, six, seven as a rush end uh, there for the blazers, but definitely a guy that has some potential. Um, I think that rawness uh, is what would prevent him from getting drafted any higher given this draft class. And then Jamar Watson, another guy there for Kentucky he and, and Jamin Davis you know what I love about Jamal Watson was you know the production getting after the quarterback um, you know I, I think Kean and, and, uh, and Jamin Davis kind of traded off in terms of the, the explosive plays there for the Wildcats but uh, they were definitely the guys that were the leaders there um, at the linebacker position for them Watson um, you know a year removed. Well, let's see, the last two years, 21 and a half tackles for loss and uh, 11 and a half sacks. Uh, you know, so a, a guy that definitely was looking to, to get into the backfield. Not much of a of a volume tackler per se, uh, but definitely a guy that was going to you know, make plays around the line of scrimmage, the splash plays. Jamin Davis, another guy with a really good size, 6'4", 234. Uh, You know, had 102 tackles, so he was more of the volume tackle guy. Had three interceptions on the year as well. Um, So these are two guys for Kentucky. I think you are kind of interchangeable there in the 6th, 7th round range. Uh, Makes some sense there, which will then take us on to the defensive backs. So defensive backs, we had 50 taken in 2020, 29 of them corners, 21 safeties. Uh, We've had no less than than, uh, 46 in the last five years and uh, a high of 56 in 2017. So the average, um, you're looking at about 51 total DBs taken. I've got 56 penciled in as potential uh, draftable prospects at this point. And uh, we're going to kind of go quickly through this because we're kind of running out of time here. We're a little pressed for time, but uh, Patrick Sertan, and uh, and Caleb Farley, I think, are your top two corners. I think that makes the most sense. J.C. Horn out of out of South Carolina, also there. These are guys that are going to play out on an island. They do a great job uh, with that athleticism. Uh, Caleb Farley, uh, you know, really one year at the cornerback position, and then he opted out in, in 2020. Patrick Sertan, you know, there is some some film. There's a lot of that space that he allows to. Uh, to the wide receiver a lot of plays made in front of him uh, Caleb Farley you see a little bit more athleticism being able to stick to his receiver and uh, you know JC Horn definitely a physical presence on the outside uh, about you know Trevon Merrig the, the Jim Thorpe award winner a guy that you know, can both play over the top and uh, also come up and run support um, and then uh, Aaron Robinson a- out of UCF you know this is a guy he's 6'1 um, shows some definite uh, some definite size uh, you know, and length, and has tremendous ball skills. I think that's the thing that you really talk about with all of these guys. Um, I think what I like about about Aaron Robinson and a guy that's continuing to, to just get better and better uh, each and every year. You know, a guy that I think can play on the outside. He can play, uh, you know, as your nickel, uh, get inside if you need him to as well. Um, Just really a a solid player overall has tremendous size. Like I said, 6'1", 193. Uh, Those are the guys that I have penciled in. That's five coming off the board there. Um, And then when you look at the cornerback position, you can potentially have one or two guys move into that group because averaging six. Over the course of the last last five years, we only had three come off the board in 2019. Um, but what you're looking at is about between six and eight um, is traditionally what you're going to see there. Um, you know, that's what you saw in, in the last last five drafts. Uh, in the second round, though, is where you see a lot of value. Uh, what's crazy is we're talking about nine DBs coming off the board in round two. We've seen as many as 11 come off the board in 2017. In 2019, there's something about odd years because in 2021, I've got 11 guys for you. Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell coming off the board in round two. Two corners there for, for Georgia. Um, I think Eric, Eric Stokes has the athleticism. Tyson Campbell has the size. He did get worked at times. Um, you know, especially by, by Kyle Pitts um, when, when U- UGA played Florida, but you watch his game against uh, guys like Seth Williams and did a tremendous job shutting them down as well. Eric Stokes has the athleticism on the outside. Uh, two guys that, that are going to be uh, nickel uh, corners, but definitely guys that uh, can make an impact. Asante Samuel Jr. didn't have any interceptions coming into the senior season, had two right off the bat. Uh, definitely instinctive. Elijah Molden um, is another instinctive uh, nickel that, that makes a lot of sense coming off the board here. Um, Sean Wade, you know, I, I, I'm struggling with him trying to figure out where I want to put him. Um, is he going to be, he's definitely not a first rounder. I think he played his way out of that. You know, you watch him against Devontae Smith just looked like he was jogging. Even when he was coming across the formation when Devontae Smith went in motion on, on that touchdown uh, coming across the field, he just didn't look like he could keep up. And that worries me about, you know, the long speed. Is he gonna be a safety? Is he gonna be a guy that plays inside? Second, third round, you know, for Sean Wade, I've got him penciled in at number, uh, you know, in the second round. Um, and then, you know, Ifatu Melifonwu, you know, uh, you know, his brother uh, was a second round pick. Why not make another Melifonwu, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a second rounder. He has tremendous size, has the length. Uh, you know, when he locks onto a receiver, Uh, You know, a guy's not getting by him, you know, he uses his hands to his advantage, very physical presence. What I worry about is his ability to sink his hips and be able to, to move laterally. You know, that's really the worry that I have for him. That's really the worry that you have about a lot of uh, the bigger corners. And that was one of the things that happened uh, against Trevon Grimes at the Senior Bowl. Uh, was you know, Grimes using his you know a couple of quick moves there and, and shots at the inside, and uh, Malafon ended up going down. Um, so that's that's a little troublesome, a little worrisome. But uh, I think the athletic skills you know are, 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 are going to outweigh things, and he'll be a second rounder for sure. At the safety position, look. You know, Andre Cisco uh, is a guy. There is some talk about him in the first round. I think he's going to be a second rounder. This is a guy that, look, he's going to. You know, there is some physicality to his game. Six foot two oh nine, um, but he's going to be a back end defender. I mean, thirteen interceptions in his career, fourteen pass breakups. This is a guy. He's, he's your center fielder. He's your guy that that understands angles, takes great angles to the football. Uh, speaking of angles to the football, how about Talanoa Hufanga out of USC, 6'1", 215. The junior, he was a heat-seeking missile for the two, first two years, played with reckless abandon, had no regard for his body, would throw himself all over the field. This year, he was a lot more calculated. And when you watched him play, he was able to get, you rush the quarterback coming off the edge, was able to play, play the run, um and it was dropping into coverage. You know, had four interceptions on the year. A guy that you know every time USC needed a big play, number fifteen was right there. I think Hufanga, to me shouldn't get out of the second round. Uh, another guy who you know people were kind of knocking him a little bit. You know they were moving him down on his draft on their draft boards for some reason. Um, but he was a fourth award finalist for a reason and that's Richie Grant, Central Florida, 6'194, a guy that can play over the top. And he has 10 interceptions in his career, including six as a sophomore, 17 pass breakups, including eight as a junior, 290 tackles, including 108 as a sophomore. And, and you know, he can even you know make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. 11.5 and a half tackles for loss. Oh he also had five forced fumbles as well. Uh, You know, a guy that he's not just a back-end safety. He's a guy that can also play in the box. He's very versatile. I think, you know, he reminds me a lot of uh, of Antoine Winfield uh, because he can play all over the field and and do a lot of things right. I think he's the guy, if there's going to be a a sleeper safety that's going to be taken in round number one, it should be Richie Grant. Um, Javon Holland, everybody's fallen in love with him. I've kind of moved him down on my draft board. To me, he kind of almost feels like he'd be an inside corner Um, You know, a guy that has tremendous um, punt return ability, 15.3 yards per return as a sophomore. Uh, You know, I I think everyone looks at the nine interceptions and 10 pass breakups, has tremendous ball skills. There's no doubt about that. Um, But I I think, you know, being able to, you know, he's more of a back-end guy to me. I I don't think he's going to be the most physical safety uh, by any stretch of the man uh, of you know, uh, 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 the imagination Hamson Nazaruddin, you know, this is a guy I wish he would have been able to play uh, and get more playing time this past season tremendous length 64 220 pounds uh, had you know 192 tackles in, in the last uh, in 2018 and 2019 had just played in just two games this year um, but a guy who has tremendous range and athleticism, and for me, you know, he's one of those guys. There isn't a ton of stiffness in those hips either. So, you know, very fluid athlete for, for a guy his size. Um, you know, that, that's our 11 uh, there in round two. In round three, we've got eight coming off the board. I like Rodarius Williams there for, for Oklahoma State, a guy I, I think, um, I, I want to say the completion percentage against him, just off the top of my head, I believe was 27%. Uh, a guy who, you know, used the, the sideline to his ability um, or to his advantage uh, and just understood, you know, the ball skills, you know, 27 pass breakups. And, and, you know, this was a guy, look, you know, they didn't really throw his way. He had two interceptions in, uh, in 2018. Um, and had 18 pass breakups during those first two years and they really stayed away from his side. Whenever you went after uh, Rodarius Williams you know you knew that you' were getting yourself into trouble. Um, he's the guy that could potentially he can go as early as, as round one um, but I think he can come off, come off the board round three. Um, Paul said a debo everyone remembers the, the tremendous uh, retro freshman year um, was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think he got exposed. You know, he was one of those guys to where teams figured him out, knew, you know, this is a receipt, you know, a converted receiver, um, still needed to work on some of the the ball skills, needed to, you know, well, he had the ball skills and understood the route running, but uh, he would struggle, uh, you know, I, I think with some of his transitions, I think he would struggle trying to jam a guy off the football, a lot of plays made in front of him, and really wanted to take advantage of his athleticism. Thought that, you know, he'd be a little bit overconfident you know, still ended up with eight interceptions, 27 pass breakups, but gave up a lot of yards um, in that, that second year there at Stanford. Sat out this past season. Um, a guy who I thought had the potential to be a first rounder. Now, to me, he's a borderline second, you know, late day two or, or early day three guy. Uh, but we're going to pencil him in, in here at, at round three. Um, you know, I think Richard LeCount. A veteran presence there in the secondary for Georgia. Uh, number two, you knew it was always around the football. You know, can make some big plays and you know, some big hits on the ball. I think both of Pitt's safeties are going to come off the board uh, in round three. And so you're talking about uh, Damar Hamlin, six one, 195 pounds, tremendous cover skills, six interceptions, 21 pass breakups uh, to go along with 275 tackles, um, and I think he's the guy that. You know, People aren't really talking about. They want to talk about Paris Ford, you know, the six-foot, 190-pound junior, um, you know, a year removed from, you know, 90 tackles, three interceptions, nine pass breakups. Um, but a guy to me, I watch him in coverage. He, he struggles at times. Isn't going to be a, a physical presence coming downhill per se. Um, you know, I, I think to me, when I look at the versatility of Demar Hamlin and his ability to get out and cover guys. I think that's where, to me, I would draft Amar Hamlin ahead of Paris Ford. Um, I think Shamar Jean Charles out of uh, Appalachian State, 16 pass breakups this past season. Uh, To me, he's one of those underrated prospects that can come off the board there. Um, I I think uh, Sean Davis out of Florida, um, is a physical safety, physical presence there on the back end of the defense. I think he makes sense, as does Ardarius Washington. He's undersized. He's only 5'8", 178 pounds there for TCU. But the redshirt sophomore, another playmaker, look, had five interceptions in 2019. Uh, definitely ha- has those ball skills. Uh, learned quite a bit playing uh, you know, alongside Trevin Merrick as well. I think he has a chance to be a, a, a third-rounder as well. So when you look at it, you know, you're talking about um what I had 16 in the first two rounds then another eight in round three. so that's 24 guys coming off the board and if we look at the average um, you you're averaging what about 22 so I'm not too far off what the average was over the first two days of the draft uh, over the last five years. I think we could look at round four, um, nine. Um, that's what I have penciled in. We had nine come off, nine defensive backs come off the board um, in three of the last five years. Um, I think Reed Blankenship, Trill Williams, um, at the safety position. Caden Stearns, to me, I, I don't see him as a, as a uh, day one or day two pick. I, I think both of Missouri's. Uh, the physical presence, guys that can drop into coverage a little bit as well. Joshua Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie, they're coming off the board in round four. Israel Mukawamu, um, I think there's some really good tape on him because, and it's, look—he's he's 6'4", 205, you know, and everyone wants to fall in love with with the, the length. But, you know, I've seen this guy get turned around quite a bit, and that's the part that worries me. Yes, he had four interceptions in 2019 to go along with the nine pass breakups. But man, this guy got picked on at times, um, especially against some of the the top route runners. So I worry about him. You know, so that's why, um, you know, in terms of, you know, where he's going to be, I think he'll be a late fourth round pick. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose, you know, he was one of the better corners there in the Big Ten. Uh, same with Ambry Thomas, he sat out 20, uh, the 2020 season. Showed up at the Senior Bowl a little bit heavier, put some pounds on him. You know, he was really lean, uh, you know, and, and kind of slight there when he was playing at Michigan. Uh, the other thing too, I thought that the you know, teams picked on him at times. You know, Michigan, their, their corners are really handsy. Uh, Lavert Hill and David Long, you know, get, coming into the league, definitely handsy. To me, Ambry Thomas, people are talking about him as a potential top 100 pick. I don't see him coming off the board any earlier than round number four, to be honest. And then Trey Brown. This is a guy he was D, you know voted as the DB of the week there at the senior bowl. Really happy for Trey Brown for for the Sooners. He's 5'10, 186 pounds, probably gonna play inside. Um, but look, you know, a guy that really came on for the Sooners, had three interceptions this past season. Uh 31 pass breakups so you see the ball skills that's definitely evident um, you know definitely a, a guy that stepped up and played well for the Sooners down the stretch had some really key interceptions and uh look number six also uh a weapon in uh, the kick return game as well uh, you know returned 55 in his career for the Sooners so definitely a guy that uh, is versatile uh I think he makes a lot of sense as a round four guy, but somebody who, if he tests really well, could potentially see his draft stock move into uh, day two consideration. So moving on to round number five, um, average right around 6.2, and that's essentially because we had eight come off the board in round five in 2017 and 2018. I had five come off the board um, in, in the other three years. So you're looking at I've got about seven coming off the board here, um, you know, and so I, I think you've got James Wiggins, the the, the safety out of uh, out of Cincinnati. I think you know the, the veteran presence there battled some injuries in 2019, but he was definitely a you know playmaker. Uh, Thomas Graham, the corner out of out of. Uh, Oregon a guy that sat out the 2020 season but a guy that just continued to make play, 32 pass breakups including 28 in the last two seasons uh, that he played there for the Ducks to go along with eight interceptions uh, tremendous ball skills uh, you know and then returnability as well took one of those uh, interceptions back to the house as a sophomore for the Ducks um, you know Colby Harville Peel this was the guy who I thought you know was really the heart and soul of the of the back end of that defense. You really had you know, Rodarius Williams on an island shutting things down. But uh, you know, when you look at Colby uh, Harwell Peel, a guy that was kind of a converted linebacker, um, you know, but definitely showed tremendous range. You know, he's six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. And uh, you know, 17 pass breakups, seven interceptions, including five as a sophomore in 2019. Um, you know, a guy that just had a nose for the football, for, for the pokes on the back end of that defense. Um, also, looking at uh, you know Cameron Bynum out of out of Cal. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of, of Cameron Bynum. You know, I thought that he was one of the more consistent corners there in all of uh, big uh, Pac-12 play. Uh, Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana, six one one ninety seven, and uh, the junior four interceptions this past season. So you know, he was one of those guys. I thought he did a really good job, you know, just taking the, the right angle to the football, whether it was you know, the ball carrier or uh, dropping into coverage. He always seemed to be right around the football, making plays, um, showing up and arriving at the right place, the you know, right place at the right time. Um, and you see it, and you're wondering about, well, you know, is he just getting lucky? But it just seemed like he, you know, time after time, you know, there was there was Jamar Johnson yet again. I wanted to see him come back for one more year because I thought that maybe he could make a push to be a a guy that could come off the board in the top, in the first two days of the draft, and wanted to see him kind of t- continue to be that leader of the defense uh, for Tom Allen. Unfortunately, you know, he decided he wanted to enter the draft, but I still think this is going to be somebody that'll still come off the board uh, in that round five range. I think that makes some sense. And then one final guy is going to be. Avery Williams. Now, here's the thing with Avery Williams. You know, a guy who you know may not necessarily be known as a as a corner as much as he's, he's a return man. And uh, it's just some staggering numbers. He's 5'9", 195, so he's a bit undersized. Uh, but still, four interceptions in his career, 22 pa- uh, uh, pass breakups as well. But he's an All-American for a reason as a return man. Six punt returns for touchdown, three kick returns for touchdown. So when you're looking at this, the versatility and his ability to make plays on special teams. Avery Williams, to me, is one of those guys, um, I think if he were a little bit taller, you'd probably see him come off the board in the first two days of the draft. Um, you know, He may even come off the board in round four, as it is, but I've got him penciled in in round five. I think that makes some sense there. And then Kelvin Joseph, you know, a guy that decided he was going to go ahead and uh, declare for the draft. They're out of Kentucky. Um, you know a guy who look he has tremendous ball skills you know he showed that off um, with, with the four interceptions and nine games for the wildcats um, you know to me I, I look at him i would have loved to see him come back for another year he decided to opt out and enter the draft i just don't know that i see him getting drafted any higher than that and when you look at the back end of the draft what's interesting is round six. In 2016 and 2019, you saw double-digit uh, defensive backs taken. Uh, last year, we only saw five, um, which is kind of that, that anomaly. You know, it gets us to about 8.4, and I've got nine coming off the board here. I think USC Elijah Griffin. Uh, you know, best you know uh, Pac-12 corner uh, in the South. Uh, I, a guy who I you know not many teams were able to complete passes against. Number two there for the Trojans. Uh, benjamin saint just out of uh, out of minnesota a big physical corner and a guy who had surprising lateral agility there um you know derek forest out of cincinnati he was one of those guys that was a a baller there on the back end uh, of the defense kind of the the heart and soul uh, of that defense along with uh, his running mate there james wiggins um, and then I'm, I'm going to give you a name, you know, a guy that uh, we didn't really get to see in 2020. He opted out, but Ashari Crosswell. Let's see 6 foot, he's 205, a junior, a year removed from, from 10 pass breakups and 3 forced fumbles. But look, in his career, 6 interceptions, 19 pass breakups. Um, I haven't studied him a, a ton, but just looking at uh, you know, what he was able to do there for the Sun Devils, I think he's definitely a day 3 guy worth talking about. Um, Divine Diablo uh, is a, a big physical safety there um, you know, for Virginia Tech. And you know, a, a guy I worry about, you know, is he a guy that can really play on the back end at the next level? You know, he's he's 6'3, 228 pounds. Um, you know, is he gonna be more of a linebacker than a safety? Um, so he may not end up getting drafted until round seven, but I still haven't penciled in in round six because I think he's a guy that can be physical, especially in the box. Uh, Nick McLeod out of Notre Dame is another guy, um, you know double digit, uh, pass breakups, multiple years. Um, but a guy I think got, got exposed there a bit at Notre Dame. You know, he's, he's a bigger guy, some stiffness in his hips. He'll be one of those guys, 6th, 7th round, um, you kind of worry about, again, that stiffness, whether or not he's ultimately going to uh, get drafted. Um, Shakur Brown, Michigan State, a guy who declared and could potentially end up being a day two pick, you know, I I think uh, because he he did show some ball skills there at the position, Um, somebody who was just really scratching the surface there for, for Sparty. I wanted to see him come back for one more year. Uh, ultimately I decided to declare he's five eleven, one ninety, you know, a little bit undersized. Is he gonna play, you know, does he have enough size to play on the outside? Had five interceptions this past season in just seven games uh there at East Lansing. To me, you know, sixth round right now makes sense for him. Uh and then Keith Taylor, you know the he's a six three uh corner there for Washington Um, I like the length on him and and I think sixth round makes some sense there Um, and then final round I've got seven DBs coming off the board here averaging about 6.2 we had 10 come off the board in 2027 and 2019 so not unheard of there either Uh, Diamondor Lenore a veteran corner there for Oregon I thought he got exposed a little bit this season uh, struggled a little bit at times Uh, Jamie and Sherwood, a big physical corner there for um, safety for Auburn, 6'2", 220 pounds. Uh, Lamont Wade, more of an undersized, he's a 5'9", safety there for Penn State. Um, Let's see, uh, Nashawn Wright out of uh, Oregon State. Pretty good cover skills, um, and and I think better than, than expected, hips as well, he um, was 6'4", 188. He's only a junior, played two years there for the Beavers in Corvallis, five interceptions, has five pass breakups. Teams really wanted to kind of stay away from him uh, because of his size and length. You don't see too many six four corners. Um, so when you look at a lot of the, the, the corners that come off the board that are, uh, have a lot of that size, uh, you know, Lonnie Johnson um, went to the Texans in, in round number two. Um, in 2019, he was one of those taller, taller corners. Uh, Isaiah Johnson came off the board in round four. So, so some of these bigger, bigger corners, Nason Wright is one of those, could come off the board uh, much earlier than round seven. And uh, you can potentially see, see some of these other guys, uh, you know, potentially some of the safeties slide towards the back end of the draft. Um, you know, Mark Webb. Um, was a guy really versatile? Kind of played all over the place there for, for UGA. I think he has a shot there to get drafted. Kerry Vincent uh, there for LSU, and uh, you know Brady uh, Breeze there for, for Oregon. Look, you know he was the the Pac-12 defensive, I'm sorry, the Rose Bowl defensive MVP. Uh, opted out in 2020, decided to, to declare for the draft limited athletically um but a guy who i think will end up getting a shot i think he ends up getting drafted as well there are a lot of names that i didn't mention um that have a chance to end up making themselves known like trey norwood out of oklahoma six foot 194 um had five interceptions this past season including one that he took to the house um, the bowl game and so I think Trey Norwood is one of those guys who could definitely move his way into the draft there are some guys that I've mentioned um, on the back end there that really are gonna have to push and and fight to to get drafted and this is one of those guys who I think could end up moving his way into things at the linebacker position Ernest Jones out of South Carolina the 6'2 230 pound inside linebacker this is a guy um, you know he really needed to come back to, to Columbia for one more year but uh, in the last two seasons, 183 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss. Really uh, a volume tackler. Um, you know, a guy that uh, made a lot of plays in front of him. Um, Errol Thompson, same way. Six foot, 254 out of, out of Mississippi State. Uh, Antoine Simmons. Here's an interesting guy from Michigan State. He's six foot, 225. I think he'll run well and, and test well. Uh, 230 tackles in his career. 26 tackles for loss, including 24 the past two seasons. Four and a half sacks uh, you know a guy that just always seemed to fly around to the football uh, you know he, he could play well sideline to sideline and he just seemed to, to really time his his uh his breaks heading into the backfield you know he, he he would time the snap count really well you know, he'd run the alley just to read and react the instincts to me he's a guy that he's undersized but he does fit the mold of that, that new-age linebacker. And, and you know the more I look at it, I think Antoine Simmons, because we're going to do the study again. We're going to go ahead and try to, to figure this out as we get closer to the draft. I think I'm moving Antoine Simmons into my draft, uh, which means one of those linebackers is probably going to get kicked to the curb. Um, but uh, you know I, I think Antoine Simmons is one of those guys that uh, would make a lot of sense uh, getting drafted. Probably in those those mid to late rounds, but somebody who I think can definitely uh, make some noise at that linebacker position. So those are the guys that I you know that I could definitely see sneaking into the draft. And uh, hey, we made it. We got weird. We took a look at a lot of numbers, a lot of the analytics. And look, it's I know it, you know the draft is an inexact science. I mean that's why. You know, if everybody had all of this figured out, you know, then you know, we'd be running the NFL franchises. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that still—it's fun. It's fun to sit down. It's fun to take a look at uh, and uh, you know, the development of these players and to really you know, evaluate talent, figure out the, the best fit for these guys, and that's something that we're going to do over the next couple of months. But I wanted to play the numbers game a little bit, take a look at what what, what you know past drafts shown us. What is the average number of players, and can we accurately predict the number of players to come off the board? You know, in each round, at each position. You know, and even better, can we guess who it's going to be? So I, I, I think it was at least a lot of fun to, to take a look at it, to kind of break down some of these players, and, and look. Um, you know, will we see? Four defensive ends taken you know and ultimately when i'm looking at it if we add everything up you've got 24 defensive ends and uh 23 defensive tackles so again like i said not out of the ordinary there and then your linebackers 50 i'm sorry 37 uh, which would be the the most since 2018 and then from a defensive back position you're looking at 56 so that ultimately you know, would be the most since 2017. That puts us at 140 defensive players. So, you know, we might be a little bit on the high end in terms of, of our, our numbers. So ultimately what I'll have to do for our next by the numbers, uh, which we'll be doing sometime probably in, in April just to kind of play the, the numbers game and have some fun with it again, Um Really make sure that we we hone in on the total number of offensive and defensive players because there's a lot of talent on the offensive side of the football. And uh, I I think, you know, we can probably trim things up a little bit there. You know, that defensive tackle position, I think we could probably shave off a few uh, picks there. Um, I think obviously, you know, linebacker, defensive back, there are probably going to be some guys that are going to be undrafted free agents in those areas as well. Um, So it'll be interesting to see exactly how everything plays out. Obviously, we've got the Senior Bowl um, that's going to happen this weekend that I'm excited to see. We'll be breaking that down in next week's podcast. And then we'll start taking a look at uh, some of the team needs we're going to take a look at uh you know obviously free agency as we go along and then we'll start breaking down position by position take a look at some of my rankings start talking about and breaking down um really what the best fit is going to be for some of these players and uh you know as i continue to put out some mock drafts um, we'll go ahead and take a look at some of those. Not only first round, but we'll start talking about the second and third round as well. A little early to get into those second and third rounds. I know a lot of guys in the draft community like to do that. Look at those second, third, fourth, seventh round mocks. You know, I, I think it's too early to really be able to do a lot of that assessment. You know, until you get get to know exactly what's going on from a free agency standpoint. You got a lot of movement. You know, Matt Matthew Stafford's coming on. You know, it's going to be on the move. LA the Rams have entered that conversation now Jared Goff it sounds like may need a a fresh start somewhere else I think you know he's kind of worn out his welcome there with with Sean McVay Um, so that's going to be interesting if they can move him with that big contract Deshaun Watson's formally asked for a trade Um, what's going to happen with JJ Watt Um, is OBJ going to get traded you know, a lot of things are going to happen. Who's going to Who's going to take a quarterback? Who's going to retire? Is Ben, you know, Big Ben, going to come back for another year? Can Sean Payton talk Drew Brees into coming back for another year? Tom Brady, if he wins another Super Bowl, wins number seven, does he come back to Tampa? Does he keep going? Does he really try to play until he's forty five? You know, a lot of questions that need to be answered. Uh, and so that's what's going to be fun about the, this, uh, this offseason is we're going to be talking about all of this. We're going to break everything down and then we're going to really see exactly what all of this tells us. So that Senior Bowl, like I mentioned, in our next podcast uh, next week, we'll be breaking that down, taking a look at really what we saw. Um, you know, Take a look at, at some of the practice footage. You know, I've mentioned a few of the things that I've seen. You know, I, I, I'm one that's talked about Ramondre Stevenson catching the football out of the backfield. He showed he was able to do that at, uh, at the senior bowl, you know, Kadarius Tony looked like, you know, one of the better players there, one of the best players, if not the best, um, in, in a lot of the drills, you know, just making some of the cornerbacks look silly with, you know, his, uh, joystick type movements out there on the field. Uh, so we'll have a lot to cover with that senior bowl and then, uh, I don't know we'll see where it takes us after that so hopefully you've enjoyed the ride we'll go ahead and do it again here in a few days so until then everyone enjoy your week and for ready this has been the ready for the draft podcast i've been your host greg shoots thanks for getting weird with me on episode 17 of the podcast and uh we'll do it again next time take care everyone and until then i am out of here